everybody. Welcome to a new episode of Double Feature Versus. We got the whole gang here. I'm Anthony. I'm Brad. Yeah, that guy over there, he's uh he's Brad. So today we're gonna do a two for this is part one of uh our two parts of uh reviewing the uh best picture nominees. Yep. And uh we we uh I know we usually don't do chronological, but now we're doing alphabetical. Um, almost alphabetical. Okay. So because we got we got we got these four films on this one. We got uh Coda, Belfast, Drive My Car, and King Richard. And then we got Nightmare Alley, Don't Look Up. Well, you know, okay, never mind. It's not in alphabetical order. My bad. Yeah. It it's almost. It it we're we're close to being alphabetical order. But uh, we decided to switch it up a little bit because doing something that makes sense isn't a part of the double feature versus way. Right, right. Of course not. We love being disorganized around here. Makes things fun and lively. Right. Yeah, you know, about five minutes before we start the podcast where we go, hold on, what movies are we doing today? <laughs> Yo, I, I, I low-key thought today was uh, I want to eat your pancreas and uh, Akira. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we're supposed to be doing, right? Right. So we're going to jump right into Akira because that one definitely came first. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. All right. So what we got here? Uh, I know we don't usually do this, but uh, let's go chronological. What, what we got first up here? So chronologically speaking, uh, the first movie on our list would be for like a wide release uh, would be Coda. Yeah, it don't, it don't really matter. Like just just out of the four films, what came first? We, yeah. we ain't gotta be technical. We'll we'll go with Coda as the first one. Uh which Okay. I'll jump into this one. Cause I right. so Coda follows the uh story of a little girl that was born to a family that is all deaf except for her, which is where mm-hmm. the name of the movie comes from, which is uh child of deaf adults. So both her parents and even her brother are deaf. And basically the entire movie is about how she kind of gets through life, you know, helping her parents, trying to figure out what she wants to do with her life and everything like that. Uh, It's a beautiful movie. And that's like the general synopsis of it. But this movie goes pretty deep into the story of, you know, her family is a bunch of fishers. Uh, They have their own troubles that they're going through. At the same time, you know, she's trying to figure out what she wants to do in life, which she loves singing, which is something that her parents and even brother can't understand because they're deaf. So right, they, right. she's literally trying to move into a world that they have no way of understanding. While at the same time, you know, her mother is going through questioning, you know, if they'll ever be able to connect because she's not deaf and they are. And mm-hmm. there, there's a lot of different levels to this movie and it it knocks it out of the park in my opinion yeah there are this this is a very well acted um well executed coming of age film and i like how you know you could separate something like this from a sound of metal because you know when you hear of like a main character who is in relation to someone who is deaf or is like become deaf like, I know, like, the main thing people were, like, saying, like, oh, this is, like, a new sound of metal, but it's a way different film. Yes, there's music involved, and yes, there's something related to, um, you know, someone being deaf or something like that. But it's a different film that's kind of, like, I, I, 
I don't know. I don't know if I would compare the two, but it, it, it it's a film that's like has that great independent film spirit that Sound of Metal did. Yeah, if you were to try and like compare this to Sound of Metal, the only similarities would be that it features a storyline that prominently is featuring people that are deaf. Right. That that's about it. That's where the similarities kind of end. Because even with music, uh, Sound of Metal was very heavy with like rock and uh, you know drumming and stuff like that, and it was like the beat of music. Uh, Mm -hmm. This one musically is about singing. Yeah, I like that there's there's nuance to this film and this storytelling of, um, you know, uh, diversity and like, you know, different glimpses of everyday life that's, uh, you know, not so seen in mainstream film. Uh, you know, with a film like this, you you don't want pandering because pandering kind of misses the market, misses the point. But I like that it tells the story as is and um, basically makes these characters human and uh, complex. Right. None of these people feel like flanderizations of what you'd expect these kind of people to be which right. it, it, that's hard to do especially when you're telling a story of people with a disability of some sort where they don't come off as just being that person with a disability you know these people feel like they have entire lives and their disability happens to be a part of them and that's one thing that you know if you want to go into a comparison with sound of metal where that movie did so much right that it caught people's attention mm-hmm. is it didn't go oh, it's just deaf people. It was about people that happen to be deaf going about their lives. Yeah, I, I think, um, yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I also think this movie is like sincerely funny, man. Oh, like, yeah. There are some very great funny moments in this film. Um, what's my man's name that plays the father in this? Uh, Troy Coltzer, who plays uh, um, the main character's dad. Like, I like how... You know, after um, homegirl brings home the guy she's practicing with and her parents are having sex, they're all in the living room and the guy's trying to the father's trying to talk to the son like, hey, if you're with my daughter, you wear a condom. But he's doing it through sign language. And then all of a sudden he goes in this aggressive way of talking on putting trying to show putting on a condom using his arm. Right. And the, and the, the kid is just sitting there like, what is going on here? Well, no, the best part is uh, his daughter knows sign language. She's able to, you know, tell exactly what's going on. Uh, Mm -hmm. But the the guy is sitting there just like, I don't understand any of this because he's using like analogies, like make sure that your little soldiers, you know, tied up and, you know, wrapped up, puts his helmet on and, you know, all this other stuff. So he's like mimicking like a soldier walking through, putting on a helmet and stuff like that, like the sign language for that. And it's it's very comical, even like the setting right before that, where, you know, they're just kind of practicing and all of a sudden they hear uh, her mom moaning in the next room. And, you know, yeah, yeah. like, what is it? Is she OK? Like, what's going on? And then it like dawns on them what's going on. Mm-hmm. Right. For sure. Yeah, man. Um, I like the co- I really like the music teacher, man. Like, I like how like the moment he comes on screen, he's funny because mm-hmm. uh He's like, uh, I've had a bad day today. And uh, what do you say? My birthday was like like two months ago or something. But uh, I need you guys to sing happy birthday to me. Yeah. And like, I like how he goes to each of the students singing like, okay, tenor. All right. Soprano. All right. Yeah. You're suave. Okay. And um, with homegirl, when she shows up, I want to get her name. I know the actress's name is Amelia Jones, uh, but okay, uh, Ruby. Ruby. Yeah. When Ruby shows up, you know, she, she kind of has stage fright and she runs away. 
But um, I like how their relationship uh, manifests over the course of the film, where he goes from like looking at her as a girl that just joined because, you know, and this is kind of true because she has a crush on somebody in the club and uh, being someone who actually has talent and has a great voice and trying to be invested in her and get her to understand, like, listen, like if I'm offering to help you get into this like big music school that I think you should apply for, that means something. Like, mm-hmm. like, you know, I went there and I think you're very talented. And I, I love how the film, it doesn't hold back on the real, on the real dilemma that's at the heart of this film. Like, like the real stakes that's at the heart of this film. Like she's toggling between being the interpreter for her family's um, fish business where, you know, their, their business on the sea and actually trying to get a future for herself as a singer. Right. Basically, the entire story is about balance with her trying to figure out how she can help her family, but also attain her own dreams. Because in one light, she can go and, you know, move away and go to the singing school and basically be able to do something that she never dreamt she could be able to do. But this teacher has actually put into her life and said, no, you can do this. You know, you have the ability to pull this off and I want to see you succeed with it. But mm-hmm. in doing so, it would mean basically abandoning her family and leaving them with no interpreter because they can't afford to pay somebody to kind of translate for them. And mm-hmm. it even gets him in trouble when she's not able to make it to uh, a day where they have somebody kind of inspecting the boat. And as a result, you know, they lose their fishing license because they're found out to be deaf, which they didn't have somebody on hand that wasn't deaf in order to interpret like radio or any sounds of anything. And it's a big problem because without an interpreter, they basically can't do what they need to, to survive. But the only interpreter they can afford is literally their daughter who doesn't want to do that. Right. Yeah, I agree. I want to go ahead. Yeah. So it, the movie definitely does a good way. Like, as you said, the teacher, I love how the teacher didn't play the same like role that every, you know, movie kind of plays where the high school teacher is like, Oh my God, look at this person. They're so like perfect in every way and they're humorous and you know, they save the day. And it's like, no, he came off as pretty realistic because I like, yeah. And I like how they, I like how they fight against each other too. Like initially he's like, um, he's like, you know what? You're, you're, you're not built for this. You're wasting my time. And therefore you're wasting time of me even trying to like, uh, like get you, you know, polished for the school. And she's like, Oh, well, if it's such a good school, why are you here as a teacher? And he's like, like you little punk, you don't even know anything about the world. You're a kid. Mm-hmm. Like I'm here. Cause I want to be here. I want to teach, you know, like I didn't fall. I didn't fail. You know what I mean? And I, uh, I love how they have that like real moment where they push back at each other. Yeah, I'm not going to sit here and listen to somebody that only has 17 years experience in life so far. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that was great. Like, I, I like how they didn't make him like kind of, you know how they do when the kids go off and then the teacher kind of sits there, reflects like, well, maybe I'm not the most perfect. He's like, no, I did my yeah. I broke my bones. You know, like what what they call it, earn your bones, broke your bones, whatever. Like he says, I I earned my keep to be here as a teacher. And, you know, I worked my ass off. This isn't me failing. Um, But I wanted to make a note, though. Uh, Marley Matlin, who plays the mother, a great actress. Mm -hmm. She actually uh, won an Oscar back in 1980s. 
six for a movie she was in called Children of a Lesser God. And like she's like the only deaf winner in Oscar history. Okay. And um at the time, because she was 21 years old, I think she was like the youngest winner in the category. Uh I I don't know if she's the youngest winner ever, but I think she's the youngest winner in the category. But I said all that to say that film had another actor that I want to, you know, give a rest in peace to is uh William Hurt. Uh, you know him oh. if you saw him, uh, but um, great actor. He was in Mr. Brooks, History of Violence. Uh, what's another great film that people say with him? Uh, I think Kiss of the Spider Woman. I think people love that movie. And of course, this movie, Children of a Lesser God. And uh, there was another one that was on the tip of my tongue that I liked him in. William uh, Hurt. Smoke. I think Smoke was it. Smoke was a really good one. But yeah, William Hurt, uh, great actor. Um, he was in some of the Marvel movies too. Oh, that's he right. Th- he played Thaddeus Ross. Yeah, I was just about to say that Thaddeus Ross. Yep. Yeah, he recently passed away, man. Uh, great actor. Uh, but I just wanted to like show that little um, link between um, Marley and him. But right. uh, yeah, man. But uh, everyone does great in this film, man. The lead actor. Um, Amelia Jones, she does great. I feel like she uh, she gives a great lead performance as the young child. I don't really have any like like more notes on this movie. I think it's a pretty good movie See, um, for what for what it is. Go ahead. What it, this one's a pretty difficult one to talk about because I don't have any complaints on this one at all. I thought this was a fantastic movie. You know, the characters were all great. The acting was all amazing. Uh, there's plenty of scenes that really like tug at you know your heart a little bit, like when she's auditioning to go to the school and everything, and you know her parents uh, sneak into like the upper balcony with their her brother and everything, and so she starts signing what she's singing to them. So the people that are you know doing the uh, what would it be judging for her kind of notice that she's like signing everything, and they kind of like notice oh her parents are up there, you know. So it, that's one of those moments that kind of like tugs at you a little bit. And you're just like, oh, that's that's too adorable. I love this. Uh, other times with her parent, like her mother telling her, you know, I wish you were born deaf because then we would have something to connect on because I fear that I'm going to lose you because we right. don't have that same understanding of what we're all going through. So it it has a lot of great moments that really pull at you and – Honestly, out of all the movies for this year, this is probably the one that like I really hope wins. Which is ironic since Uh, last year's it was Sound of Metal for me, and now this is another deaf person movie that I'm hoping wins. Hold on, you talking about like wins best picture? Yeah. Uh, uh, for me, this is so far out of what we've seen. I know that we have a couple more that we're going to talk about next week and everything, but so subjective. far, yeah. Well, okay, subjective. We'll get to that. I think we'll, yeah, we'll get to that conversation. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I give us a four point five. I feel it's a pretty good movie. See, this one's a five out of five for me. I I really enjoyed this movie. Mm. It I was basically pulled in from the get go. It's just because I don't I don't see myself watching it again. I feel like it was a nice like one time watch for me. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like this was a very good Sundance movie, like a very oh, good yeah. independent Sundance movie. 
and I kind of just kind of left it at that. Um, I don't know. I, it didn't have the same. Well, so we're not comparing them, but uh, yeah, I give it a four. All right, I give it a four point five. I think it's cool. Yeah, I I think that's a fair score for it. Uh, for me personally, when I was watching it, I remember originally hearing that this was a movie that uh, Apple picked up for its streaming service, and they apparently mm-hmm. paid like an astronomical amount of money for it beating out Amazon, Netflix, uh, Searchlight, like all the other kind of major distributors. Apple pulled through and bought this one because everybody was fighting over this film, and I understand it now. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that, man. I feel like streaming services have kind of taken over the uh, theatrical exhibition of everything, you know what I mean? Right. I think this one still did have a theatrical release. Uh, I watched this one off of Apple streaming service, though. Mm-hmm. No, I got you. I got you. Yeah, I just, um, yeah, I just have conflicting feelings about that, but I got you. What we got next up on the list? So next up on the list would be Belfast. Okay, Belfast. All right, man. Uh, this is written and directed by Kenneth Branagh. Uh, and this film, you know, to just put it uh, simply. It's about a young boy's childhood. You know, he's growing up in uh, Belfast, Ireland in the late 1960s, specifically 1969. And um, there's a huge beef uh, that has to do with uh, being Protestant and being Catholic. Now, that's not it's it's not just about religion. This is between two um, like Irish groups. And uh, it's kind of like an internal civil war within Belfast. Yes. You're either, you're either with that side or you're with that side. I like how the film starts, man. The film really did have my attention when, um, uh, this is, there's this beautiful montage of Belfast present day. Well, we, we can assume it's present day, uh, to, a, a a lovely old time song. Um, and then when you go over this like little fence or this little like brick wall, it becomes black and white. And then you go back to 1969 and you um, you follow the young boy who is a, a buddy and uh, he's he's hanging out in the streets. His mama comes out, yelling out his name, buddy. And then everybody, you know, because everybody in the small neighborhood knows everybody. And then somebody says, buddy, your mama's calling you. Mm-hmm. So as he's running to get to his mom, all of a sudden shit goes down and uh, there's a riot going on. And some people are coming into the uh neighborhood of course buddy gets scared he's, he's just a kid yeah all and, the um, movie is through the perspective of buddy so you know right. everything is kind of toned up or down based on that fact where the biggest problems to him are very you know childish problems but then there's this bigger conflict going on around him that he really doesn't understand and he's trying to understand so it's kind of explained to him as a child and that's how they explain the different things that are going on. Right. So you got the main conflict here is uh, Buddy's mom and Buddy's father. Uh, Katriana Balfey from uh, Outlander uh, plays the mom and Jamie Dornan from uh, those uh, Fifty Shades movies <laughs> uh, plays uh, plays the father. I know he's been in more stuff. Uh, what else has he been in? Because I'll, 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 I mean, I'll, nothing else you've seen that just the Fifty Shades movie for you, right? <laughs> No, he was in the fall, that miniseries I watched. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't want to crap on my man's name. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's pretty much what I know him for, though. The Fifty Shades movies. 
but anyway, um, so the main conflict is between his mom and his pa, where he's saying like, you know, listen, we can't stay here. This is not safe. I'm being pressured to join one side and and do do crime like riot like like you and the kids cannot stay here in Belfast. We have to move. And his mom is like reluctant against that idea because it's home. You know, you got um the grandmother played by Judy Dench, the grandfather played by Syrian Hines. Like their family is in Belfast. It, it's home. It's hard for her to leave. And so you got Buddy in the middle trying to figure out what's going on. You got his older brother, Will, you know, taking after him, looking after him. So that's the main conflict there. And you're looking at all this, like like we said, through Buddy's eyes. Right. Um, I'll be honest, man. When I started this film, I was a little hesitant because I was like, one thing I was like, man, this is going to be too long. And the black and white thing, I get it. But is it going to like drag on? Dude, this was a very low key 97 minutes. I yeah, it, it, it went by pretty fast for being like a black and white movie, a very old timey movie. And the fact that everything's going on through the perspective of a child uh, definitely like typically slows down a movie because it kind of forces the movie to be in this, I don't know, dumbed down state as a result. Yeah, well, I, I'll say this like Kenneth Branagh. I love him as an actor. I haven't always liked the films he directed. Like, um, yeah, I haven't always liked him as a director. So that was one thing I was a little worried about. But going into this, man, everything was just like like the nice, nice right amount of everything. The nice right amount of emotion, nice right amount of comedy, uh, joy, sadness, humor, death. I feel like everything hit just right with this. I... Uh, now, would I call it a best picture? I don't know. I wouldn't really call it a best picture. I think it has its best picture stamp for its periodness, uh, which I understand. You know, going back to a certain time, there's value in that. Uh, but for what it was, man, I, I really didn't mind it. Yeah, it, it was a good movie. Um, yeah. Like you said, it doesn't scream like best picture nomination to me. It doesn't scream like, oh, my God, you need to, like, scream from the top of the mountains for everybody to watch this movie. It, it has its niche audience, I'm sure, but it, it was a good movie. It, I just I, don't see it as why it got to the Best Picture nomination, personally. I could see, well, campaigning. Well, yeah. I can, see, I can see how, for people who grew up in Belfast, that this movie might mean something to them. Oh, I yeah. I can see that. You know, it's like how the end stays. Uh, the end set, you know, is, is for the ones who left, for the ones who stayed and for the ones who were lost. I feel like that was a great way to end the film. You could tell it's personal to Kenneth Branagh, this this film. Um, yeah, man, I, I thought it was cool uh, for what it was. I, the one scene that I got a name in particular that I really liked is um, where they're at the funeral for the grandfather. And uh, if you haven't been here before, folks, it's, it's spoilers abound. That's how we, that's what we do here. Uh, and I like the dance that the mom and dad do to to the old time song. I uh, I thought that was a pretty cute moment. Uh, I like how throughout the film, the young boy is like doing well in class and fighting, fighting to get to the, to the top of the class to get to sit next to his crush. And uh, there's one moment where he, he gets there, but then finds out she moved back. Right. Because she didn't do good that week. Right. What was it? He moved to like second place and then she moved to third, which meant that she was in the row behind him still. 
Right, right. But uh, I thought this was a very cute uh, human movie. I uh, yeah, I don't have uh, that many notes on this. Uh, you got notes? So mostly for this one, I kind of like how they played with uh, the role of his father uh, being kind of this person that just wanders in and out of his life because he's trying to work to pay off these debts and everything like that so they can have a better life. And when he finally gets like this opportunity to give them a better life and everything to buddy, this is the end of the world because he's being ripped away from his his home. Uh, He's going to like miss out on the chance of making, you know, this girl he likes his wife in the future, you know, like he thinks his entire existence is ruined. And it's very it's a great way of kind of like siphoning this movie into uh, what makes it special, which is the fact that everything is from the lens of Buddy. There's a lot of things going on and stuff. You know, he goes and steals from his shop and stuff like that. Uh, you have these protests going on, and then you have his father coming in and out, and it being from his perspective is really what makes this movie entertaining. Because without that aspect, I think the same story just wouldn't have worked as well if it was from the perspective of anybody else in that family. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, but beyond that, that not too much to say about this one. It it was a it was a decent movie, but this one just didn't catch me as much as other movies in uh that we've been watching for this one. I say this for for its uh for its execution, for its brevity, I give it a 3.5. I I agree with that. 3.5 on this one. It's it does exactly what it's going for well, but it just doesn't go beyond that for me personally, at least. Do I think beyond the nice cinematography, uh, it's a it's a best picture nominee or best picture winner? I no, I, I don't. No, if this ends up winning best picture, I'm gonna call you know some kind of shenanigans. <laughs> yeah, I I don't see it, but uh, you know I I'm not mad at it, but I don't see it. What we got next? So next on the list would be Drive My Car. So Drive My Car is a Japanese drama that takes place uh, in, I want to say, what was the time for this one? Yeah, because it was pre-COVID, wasn't it? Yeah, it was pre-COVID at the very least. I, I'm going to say that this one's supposed to take place like mid-2010s somewhere is when this takes place and it it follows. Yeah. But it follows, uh, the story of trying to remember what his name was. Yusuke. Yusuke. Yes. Who is a screenwriter and, uh, playwright in an actor and actor who is kind of trying to get away from acting and do more playwright stuff. Uh, his, he has a wife, uh, Oto, who is also kind of a screenwriter and everything like that, who ends up uh, coming under a death of a brain hemorrhage, I believe they said it was. Cerebral hemorrhage, but she was a playwright. Right. Oh, she was a playwright. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So she was a playwright. I think he is too. Yeah, he was a playwright and a screenwriter. I remember that. And then he was an actor that wanted to get out of it. And go straight to doing playwrights and everything like that. Like, he didn't want to act anymore. He just wanted to write and be able to, you know, show his work to other people. 
And after her death, he decides to go out to, you know, basically manage a play that's going on. So finding the people, going through, like, all the prep with them and everything like that. When he meets this other actor who is falling on hard times, and that's kind of where the story kind of starts. This is a three-hour movie. It's a long movie. Well, I'll say, well, to back up a little bit, he didn't meet the actor. He already knew the actor. Oh, did he Um, know him prior to this? Yeah. So like if you like so earlier in the movie, when his wife is still alive, um, you know, when he gets done with the play, she introduces him to the guy that's in her play. Like that was right. That was him. Okay. And, And then when he came home and saw his wife having sex, they don't really show his face, but you assume it's him. You know, because of the revelation that came up later in the movie, like she would always sleep with the lead actors in in her uh, in her plays. So it most likely it probably was him. Mm-hmm. Um, but the film never explicitly says it. And um, the the play that he is casting for is uh, Uncle Vanya, a real play by uh, Anton Chekhov. Now. The, the, you're right. This is where the film starts. But the main like heart of this film is that. um he um while working uh in residency for like casting this play has a uh a driver um uh, a woman that like drives his car while he uh goes from like you know uh you know meeting to meeting he prefers to drive his own car because that's how he practices his lines he his wife used to record uh the other speaking parts of the play and he would like you know like um practice with the play while driving Mm-hmm. So now he can't do that because it's required for him to have a chauffeur on set. So now that introduces him to his driver. Um, Watari. How, Matari. Yeah. Watari. Uh, it, uh, wait, you, sh- you sure that's her name? Uh, hold up. I thought that was. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I can find her name. Just hold on. Uh, okay. Watari. You're right. You're, yeah. You're okay. Right. I was going to say, I, I'm, I thought I had that one at least down. <laughs> I was going by her first name, Asaki, but oh, Watari's okay. her last name. Yeah. Yeah. So like um, Watari is his driver and, uh, you know, she's very talented at what she does. I mean, you know, you look at it. Oh, well, it's just her being a chauffeur, but she looks at driving like as something that's serious to her due to like, um, you know, trauma she has from a little kid of driving her mom. And if she didn't drive right or if she went over like a bump in the road, her mom would beat her. So you got these two people who have like a lot of secrets and demons from their previous personal relationships. And it, they kind of slowly come, come out to each other, like over the course of the film. Uh, so that's, that's that coupled with um, him working with the actor that may or may not have slept with his wife um, is now dead wife. That's the main conflict we have here. Uh, now I'll say this. I really, I really did like this film because there's, there's levels to this. There's levels mm-hmm. to this film. And I like how with some of the dialogue in Uncle Vanya kind of corresponds to his whole to his own life, you know, and things that he's going through. Yeah, because we get the lines from the play, like as he's driving back and forth, because he does listen to the Monkas said, even when he has her driving him everywhere, um, right. he still has her put on the tapes so he can kind of listen to the lines and he can, you know, go along with them. So he keeps updated with the play and everything. 
Because that's his process. He needs to continually do that so he has all the lines in the play memorized. That way he can make sure to instruct people the proper way to like say these lines and the proper tone to give it, especially since this play is multilingual. So it has people that are speaking Korean, Japanese. Uh, there's one person that's even you know doing sign language in it. Right. Uh, I want to say... Korean, Japanese, sign language. There was something else. I don't think it was Chinese, but it might have been. Right. Yeah. Um, I'll say this. This movie is three hours. It really didn't need to be. No, not like, at all. I, I understand why you I understand with a film like this that has levels, you're giving it room to breathe. But I think there's a little bit too much room to breathe in some scenes. Yeah, this movie goes by very slowly. Uh, we, we've talked about some three-hour movies that seem to like fly by. This is not among them. How, well, I never got bored. I never got bored. Like, There's a very palpable story here that's presented. It's just dragged out, and it's, it could have mm. been a little shortened. Like, this is a two-hour two and 30-minute movie. That wouldn't have been bad for me, because I feel like you can, you can make a... a a, a great two hour and 30 minute movie out of this, but you're expanding it way beyond it where it needs to be expanded. Right. The, there were a lot of scenes that kind of just, they went slower than they needed to, especially the scenes involving driving. Like I understand that the driving is like a big part of this movie where he's right. like playing his lines and everything like that. But there were so many times where they could have cut some of those scenes shorter and it wouldn't have lost any impact. But I'll say this. For every one of those drag, dragged out scenes, there are some great moments in this movie, dude. Like, I want to say I love the acting within the acting. I love the scenes where they act on stage. And you may not know anything about the pl the plays that they are doing. Like, I know he was doing Waiting for Godot in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I know then we went to the Uncle Vanya uh, scenes. But you can feel the emotion. Like, when um, the one character who is deaf that does sign language, you can feel the emotion. Right. When her when her and the other and the other actress who uh speaks English when they're practicing and like they they kind of hug each other at the end of the scene, you felt that. You know, the the camera just sat and let the actors work while the actors in the scene are watching the actors. Like this film is really about acting too, when you think about it. Um, it's about a lot of things, grief, acting, uh, pushing on. I like, I really love the scene in the back of the car where this is where everything kind of comes to a head. Um, you know. Are you talking about when he's telling the story of uh, Oko's kind of screenplay that she was writing? Right. Yeah. Right. And he was, he's talking to, uh, he's talking to Koji and, you know, he's telling Koji, like, listen, my wife, you know, we had a lot, we had a lot of, we, we had a lot of great moments together and I loved her and I knew her more than anyone ever could. Um, she came up with a lot of her stories like during sex. And, you know, there was a darkness to my wife. She would sleep with a lot of the lead actors in her stories. But, you know, that he kind of says it without saying they didn't really mean anything. Mm -hmm. It kind of seems like he's taking a jab at Koji a little bit because he because he has suspicion that he was the guy in her in their in their in their apartment when he came home that day right and um, this is after uh, koji is like admitted i loved your wife you know i was in love with her you know and basically right. he's now going she loved me she didn't actually care about anybody else 
I know that she loved me truly. And I love the turn that this scene makes where he goes like, uh, you know, your, your wife told me about a story. He was like, yeah, I heard about that. The lady in the bed and, you know, she's waiting for the guy touching herself. He says, no, that's not where it ends. And he, I like how the, the camera focuses on, focuses on him as he as he tells the rest of the story. Mm-hmm. And it really does seem like an interesting story, like 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 stepping out of it. I was like, oh, man, that actually sounds like an interesting story. But um, I like how in the end, instead of this coming off as a jab to him, like, well, your wife told me things you don't know. It comes off like like, yeah, man, I really did think I really do think, you know, stuff about your wife that no one else knows. And I think you should treasure the fact that she did love you. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't come off bitter. It comes off a little scent. Like, I think it's the cinematography. It comes off a little like like a little sinister, like when like the, when it has like the little light on him when he's telling the rest of the story, uh, the rest of his wife's story that he was told. But then it has a little bit of cockiness to it. Like, I knew this about yeah. her that you didn't. Right. And then it kind of subverts your expectation where he's like, but, you you know, you did know a part of your wife that no one else knew or have a part of her that no one else had. And, you know, you should cherish that because he starts to cry and get emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, Koji does. Uh, what do you think about the subplot of him uh, beating the guy to death? I thought it was kind of a weird thing that they decided to throw in there because um, I know that they kind of like alluded to that early on when they went to the bar the first time and that person was like taking photos of him because yeah, I can't remember what. Side. Yeah, because he had the violent side there and then... You know, we see the person taking photos and he kind of disappears for a bit and he comes back and it's just like, okay, he did something. I don't know what. Of course, yeah. Then you learn that uh, he literally beat the guy to death. And it's like, that just sounds extreme. Like, I get that they need to, like, pull him away to make, you know, the rest of the movie make sense. Or I give give it that, like, extra punch at the end where he had to go back to acting in his play that he didn't want to act in the first place forcing him to basically make that decision. Mm. But this was a weird way to do it. I felt like, yeah, I felt like it was a little out of left field, but I felt like something was coming. You know, I felt right. like it was, it was built up. Well, I didn't know it would go to that extreme that I felt like he would have, I felt like he probably put the guy in critical condition or he probably pressed charges against him and he ended up either way. He was going to get out of the play. I, I kind of saw that coming. Yeah, I, but, uh, I figured that he like destroyed, you know, the person's phone or something like that. And, right. you know, he was going to be called in for questioning and stuff and he was going to have to go to court and he wasn't going to be able to act in the play as a result of that. Uh, but no, the movie completely amped it up and was like murder. Right. Right. <laughs> murder. Murder who? Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then he's also cocky about it when he finds out and the cops show up and they're like, yeah, we need to talk to you. The person that you beat up on camera, he died. And he's just like, yeah, I know. I don't think he came off cocky, though. I think he came off like, OK, I I knew you guys were going to come. Like, yeah, it was it was me. And he kind of just accepts it. Like he he goes and then he looks over at uh, Yusuke. They share a look and then he just walks out with the cuffs on him. Well, they they escort him out. Right. Um. You know what was so funny? It it was funny but weird at the same time is when uh Yusuke goes to the police station, he's like, um, hey, can I go in and talk to him? They're like, no, nah, they, they won't let you. But uh, mm-hmm. so you're gonna act in the role, right? And yeah. he's like, what? Really? That's what you want to talk about right now? 
Our it's lead this. actor just got pulled out to go to jail, and you're like, oh, yeah, but by the way, we have to cancel the play, or you have to act in it. Right. He's just like, you're, you're going you're gonna to do it, right? Yeah. It's like, what? And I, I love how the film, it, it doesn't shy away from the, the absurdity of it all, because even the lead actor, even the lead character is like, dude, you, you talking about this now? He says, well, we, we got to do this. We're about to go live. Like, we're about to we're about to premiere this play. We have to do something. So, you know, he he uh, he takes control of the role. Um, I want to talk about the sequence between him and uh, Watari, where Watari takes him back to uh, her to, like home village. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty cool. I thought that was a pretty tender moment between them. Again, it, it went on a little too long. Uh, the whole of the whole thing of getting there and stuff like that. And, but I, I like the emotion between the two. Cause I, I, I really think that he looks at her as a surrogate daughter and she looks at him as the father she never had. You know what right. I mean? Like, I, I like the relationship between the two of them. And I think that that scene really drives it home. You know, her watching the play in the end, uh, when she's, uh, when, when he's, he's back to playing, uh, it, an uncle the ben. lead in, uh, the play. The lead in the play again. I like how in the end he gives her the car, like you know yes. she 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 was given the car, because uh, that's his way of letting go, not letting go of his wife, but moving on forward uh, from his wife's death and her moving on forward through the tragedy of um you know her family being killed in that uh in that house fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, I I really like the layers in this movie. I think the layers make up for the extended runtime, dude, and I think for that. I give it a 4.5. I really like this movie for all this messiness. See, for me, uh, the one part of the movie that I did really like was his relationship with Watari, where it wasn't like they didn't try and romanticize it at all. It became more right. of like I was a father-daughter. I was a little worried about it, too, and I really like that they made it more like a father-daughter. Like They both had loss in their life. They both had a way to connect, and they both had stories to tell to each other to be like, hey – Neither of us are perfect, but we can continue living on. We had to continue moving on and doing what we can. And Mm -hmm. those were the scenes that I enjoyed. You know, like, there were some that were a little long and everything, but they didn't bother me as much as other scenes. And basically, those were the scenes I most liked about the movie. There were a lot of the things with them, like, doing the practice kind of read of the play and everything like that, where it, it just got boring to me, personally, just seeing that. Uh, them going through the auditions was a little bit interesting, but for the most part, any time that it was outside of, uh, him and Watari talking with each other and kind of like expressing themselves and their backstories and everything to each other, those were the most interesting parts of the movie to me. Outside of that, I just really didn't connect with this movie at all. I didn't feel anything, you know, it just... It kind of passed by until those scenes came up again, and then all of a sudden it was going back to the boring parts of the movie for me. Yeah, I, I can understand that. I didn't mind the line readings because it, it there there were subtleties in that scene. I like how there was a little bit of pushback from the uh, the English speaking actress and um and you know the main character uh, Yasuke, and I like how Yasuke would sometimes look over in Koji and study him as he was like reading and acting out. Mm-hmm. Because he never really, you know, the audience knows and he has an inkling that this guy slept with my wife, man. Right. You know I'm saying like this isn't somebody and he, and he and still he's a professional. He knows that everybody that he's interviewed and done auditions with, he says, like, he is the best one. Mm-hmm. I don't like him, but he's the best one. 
Um, and I like how there's a there's a I don't know about a parallel uh, life parallel lifestyle, but there's there's a nice juxtaposition between the established actor he is and who Koji is. I mean, the fall from grace, getting caught with a um, I guess he was with a minor or something, and he said he was framed that he never did anything with her. Yeah, I remember and, them kind of talking about it, but I didn't catch what he had done. Just that he had a checkered past, and that he said, said it was all a lie. Right. They said uh, in the reports when he got arrested, like, oh, this guy was formerly caught with a minor. Okay. And, uh, you know, he, he 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 stopped getting chosen for like major productions and stuff like that. So that's what, what that was. Um, but yeah, man, uh, what, what do you give this? I give this one a 3.5. It just didn't catch me the same mm. way. Really? Yeah, this one just didn't do it for okay. me. Uh, like I said, like the scenes with uh, him and Watari are like the only ones that really were entertaining to me. Uh, the rest of it just felt like filler for a movie, which is weird okay. because the rest of the movie is basically the important part, which is the play and everything like that, like his part of life. It was the side story in the movie that I found most interesting. Okay, okay. So the major question, uh, should this be in the running? I, I feel like this has a good... I feel like this one... So even though I personally this has a good running. didn't care for this movie, I mm-hmm. see exactly why it made it into the running. I understand yeah. this one. Like Belfast, I look at and go, I, I don't get it. You know, like I get right. it, but I don't get it. With this one, you know, it, I didn't care for the movie as much, but I can see why a lot of people would have a powerful connection to this one. I see why a lot of people would really like this movie. It doesn't come off as Oscar bait. It comes off as unique. It right. has a very powerful layered story to it. I see it as a, a best picture forerunner, man. And uh, and if so far, so far with all these movies we've been talking about, because we ain't done with this and Coda in the lead for our little fantasy best picture uh, league uh, that we got going on here. Yeah. I, I don't think that's a bad matchup. Right. Like I can honestly say if Drive My Car won best picture, I really don't think it will. I'm going to say that right off the bat. But if it did, I wouldn't be disappointed with that choice. You know, even though Parasite is is a South Korean film, um, I'd say there seems to be a little bit more leeway with giving films, uh, giving films the win that are are different from the status quo. Mm -hmm. You start to you're starting to see that the, the pendulum move in that direction a little bit over the years. So it wouldn't shock me if Drive My Car won. I right. wouldn't want it to be a gimme because the movie is actually very good, but it wouldn't shock me. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me, and I would feel that it actually did deserve it. You know, it wouldn't feel like it only got it because of, you know, reason X or reason Y. I feel like it would actually deserve it, you know. And that's even with me saying I didn't enjoy the film too much, mm-hmm. but I can see why it would get that praise. For sure. I got you. All right. So that leaves us to uh, the last one for this uh, first part of our uh, review, and that's King Richard. So did you want to take the reins on this one? Yeah, yeah, I'll take the reins. Uh, Pretty simple, man. Um, So uh, King Richard follows uh, Will Smith uh, playing Richard Williams, the father and coach of uh, Venus and Serena Williams, you know, uh, two of the greatest tennis players of all time. Uh, as well as Venus and Serena's sisters uh, in Compton, uh, California. 
So Richard Williams, uh, you know, he's a guy that um, tra- had, had a plan for uh, Venus and Serena since they were kids, teaching them how to play tennis since they were kids about trying to train them to be like the best tennis players in the world. Like he, he has like a, he had like a long plan to like build them up as great tennis players and also to keep them out of trouble in the hood, keep them out of, uh, you know, uh, being corrupted, being pregnant at a young age, just raising them the right way with all the odds, all the uh, social, political, economic odds against him. Uh, so Richard Williams, you know, we follow him um, in Compton, you know, training his young girls and uh, going around trying to uh, get his um, his young girls like a good uh, tennis trainer to get them in the league pretty much. Well, uh, I think one thing that this movie does is it really captures how he wasn't worried about making sure that his uh, daughters were like superstars. He was worried about making sure that his daughters had a childhood and they had a good life. And he knew that Correct. them playing tennis is something that they enjoyed. It is something that they were good at. They had the skill for it. So he wanted to push them to find a way to like channel that to be into a good life, but not for it to become their entire personality. He wanted them to continue going to school. He wanted them to continue having time for family because all around the movie does a great job of kind of showing how his perspective of, you know, athletes is where he sees it all as a game for people to make money. You know, nobody cares about the athletes. Everybody only cares about making money. So when all these athletes go through these problems because, you know, at a young age, they were basically told that they're, you know, the next superstar, they're the greatest person ever. And then when they fall off, they really fall off because they didn't have the education or time to grow as a person outside of that. So when they lose that, you know, being the top professional in this category of like, whether it's soccer, tennis, baseball, whatever, it they completely fall off the map and it affects their mental health and typically right. leads them down a bad path of like drug abuse, uh, you know, going in and out of like different homes and everything like that. And we see this in like news reports and everything throughout the entire movie. And Richard's entire path is making sure his daughters don't fall down that he wants them to be yeah. successful in tennis, but more than that, he wants them to be successful in life. Yeah, to start this off, man, I think as far as sport uh, bio biopics go, this is this is a great movie, man. Like this is this doesn't go the generic way of usual biopics. Like you know, you got the rise, you got the fall, and then you got the rise again. Mm-hmm. Which the film it, it it tells the story as a, as as it, as it happened. But you have a very complex character in the center here who you don't hate. You understand Richard Williams and why he is the way he is. But he's a very prideful guy. Right. Like sometimes you do want to hate him because there's plenty of times in the movie where you're just like, oh, somebody deck him. Somebody please just deck him. I want to see it happen. You're standing in your own way. You're already at the finish line, but you're you're turning your own body around just to prove you can run around the Rosie and go past the finish line again. Right. You know, he he has that kind of thing about him, but you understand his motivations for the most part. And you know he's not a you know he's not a horrible guy. He's just a very he just has he just has things about his character that are very like ugh, make you want to choke him. You know, right. like, dude, you're already there. Don't mess anything up. He, he's a very uh, frustrating person to deal with. 
he is. He is. He's he's very polarized. I'll say that. Yes. Uh, but he's a great father. That's one thing you can't take away from him. He's a great father. He's really a great coach. Uh, you know, Venus and Serena for what they are now, just like two of the greatest of all time. Like I said, he's a great coach and a great father. Uh, so I will say, man, it doesn't run the usual uh, round of like generic films. You get palpable emotion um, out of Will Smith's performance, which uh, straight up, man, I I don't know. I think this might be his best role. I, I think this his is career. his best role. I I was actually prior to this, I knew that this was going to come up. So I was going through the catalog and I was like, OK, what role would beat this out? And I it, nothing, nothing Listen, can beat this one out. The one thing that comes close is something. I, I, OK, if you say I am legend, I understand. But that's kind of like a that's kinda like an action movie movie. But I say yeah. drama like Ali comes close. But this movie, he really sinks into the role of Richard Williams. Mm-hmm. Like Ali, I mean, I kind of I saw Ali in, in Will Smith's performance, but some people say, eh, I felt like that was just Will Smith being Ali. In this movie, I really feel like he really does like take the role of Richard Williams. Yeah. Through, um, There's a point yeah. in this movie where you stop seeing Will Smith and you just see Richard. For sure. For sure. And uh on um Anjane Ellis, who plays his wife, she did so great. Uh, she like like she really like like matched him in many scenes, especially the big argument they have about their marriage. And uh, I dude, I love my man. Um, <laughs> I always call him my dude from Walking Dead, but uh, John Bernthal. Oh yes, as uh, Rick Mackey. Uh, Rick Mackey. Yeah, he was great, man. Like oh. he, yeah, he 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 sold that role, and I like I liked him like the arguments like him and Richard Williams have, because that's one of the moments where you want to punch Richard. It's like, listen, man, this guy helped you out. He, so, he go, he gave you a great deal. Moved your family out here. Like, don't, don't shit on him. You know, like he, like he, he's, he's not the enemy, but you like that. You like the tension that's there. Right. Know? Yeah. With John, as soon as he popped in, uh, because I didn't know the story of, you know, uh, Serena, you know, in Venus. And so I didn't know. I didn't know a lot of it either. Right. So I didn't know when he came in, if, you know, he was going to be a mainstay for the movie or not. I just saw John Bernthal come in and he sunk into that role the same way that Will Smith sunk into his, where I stopped seeing John and I started seeing, you know, Rick Mackey. And the way that, you know, they introduce him where he, you know, starts kind of training the girls a little bit to see like how they are and everything. And then they sit down and he goes, you know, you know, I really think that here's my contract. Here's what I want from you guys. You know, you don't make money until, or I don't make any money until you guys are making money. I get a cut off the top end, but up until then I got everything covered, you know, housing, school trips to Disneyland or Disney world. Cause it's in Florida, you know, everything's covered. And then of course we get, you know, uh, Richard kind of doing the whole, well, we've actually, you know, heard about this other guy, uh, Nick, and Nick's really good. He's he, they say he's the best, you know, like what right, what is right. uh, what makes you better than Nick? You know, why would we go with you over Nick? Because Nick, he's we've heard everything great about Nick. And, you know, Rick's kind of just sitting there going, yeah, Nick, Nick's a good guy. He's I like, how- you, you know what? If you want to go with Nick, go with Nick, because it doesn't really matter who you go with. These right. girls are the talent. 
they're going to be superstars no matter who you go with. So if you want to go with Nick, go with Nick because you you have superstars on here. Just make sure you don't waste that somewhere. Yeah, I like how he he humbles himself. He says, you know what, man, Nick, Nick is Nick. Nick is the best. Um, you know, your girls are the talent. So if you want to go with Nick, go with Nick. And I like how Richard, he does that to kind of see how Rick will react. Like, mm-hmm. like he wants to see what kind of what kind of guy Rick is. Is he petty? Is he is he is he humble? Is he is right? He like was he going to start attacking Nick and go, well, Nick's actually not that good. You know, I'm better than right. Nick. Right. And I, I like that because, you know, because Richard is smart. He is a smart guy. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, it's just the the pridefulness can make him a little like com- complex in, in, in his uh in his in his not his image, but in this film's portrayal of him. But um, I like how uh, <laughs> I like how you get to that funny moment in the end where he keeps refusing all the deals that come his daughter's way because he's like, well, if they're going to offer that, they can offer later down the road if we if we deny it now. Mm-hmm. And I like I like how in the end the guy comes and says, oh, yeah, Reebok just called to do this and I told them to shove it. And then Richard says, no, no, let's, let's, no, no, let's, let's talk you know to what? them. Let's actually hear them out. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, let, let, let's talk to them. Let's not tell them to shove it. Cause he kind of, he's learning a little bit. He yeah. says like, well, yeah, maybe I shouldn't be so refusing everything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man, this movie, uh, uh, Sonny Sydney as, as Venus, Demi Singleton as Serena, the girls do great. Uh, there's no frills in this movie, dude. Like this is, this is, yeah. Yeah. There's really nothing holding this movie back. This is a great movie overall. And Will's performance is top notch. John Bernthal's performance is top notch. Uh, everybody else, it just completely knocks this one out of the park. But obviously the conversation between Will and, uh, John throughout the entire thing, AKA Richard and Rick, is basically the you know most memorable parts of this movie because watching them go back and forth is hilarious because on one hand you sympathize with Rick over what he's dealing with and you want to punch Richard but at the same time you understand exactly where Richard's coming from and you're like no but he's not a bad guy I swear you understand I understand both of them right yeah yeah and uh I like <laughs> I like that bit about I'm gonna drive that golf cart that golf cart is gonna be mine oh yeah <laughs> And then they cut in the future and he's driving the golf cart. Yeah. Um, but here's the million dollar question. I got to ask you because I I don't know where, I, where I'm landing. Um, but best actor, man. I know Andrew's your boy and we, we both love Tick, Tick, Boom. Uh, if you look at all the best actors that's being nominated this year, Will, Denzel. And we know Denzel is the guy. Right. Andrew. Benedict Cumberbatch, which we'll talk about Power of the Dog later, and Javier Bardem. Who do you see taking it, man? Okay, so so I'm going to start off by saying I really do want Andrew to win. I, I really do want Andrew to win. But I feel like after King Richard, after finally sitting down and watching this movie, it it's going to be Will Smith. Like, Denzel, yes, but Will Smith knocked this one out of the park. Like, if yeah. he doesn't win this one, I'm going to be upset. It's going to be the most, you know, questionable moment when I'm looking at it. Because if Andrew wins, I'm going to be happy. But I'm going to be upset that Will didn't win. But at the same time, if Will wins, it's like he deserves it. I'm sorry, Andrew, but Will deserves this one. 
I can't speak for being the Ricardos um, because I haven't seen that yet. So I'm sorry, Javier. Uh, Benedict was really great in Power of the Dog. Uh, mm-hmm. But we'll talk about that later. Andrew was great in Tick, Tick, Boom. Uh, I can't speak for Macbeth, so I'm sorry to Denzel. But yeah, man, uh, Will Will came through on this one. He did. Like it, I would be disappointed if Will lost. Um, this was for all. I, I might riot if both Andrew and Will lose, though. You know, there there might be some fire in the streets. <laughs> this was for this was for all the people that rightfully so shitted on After Earth, Gemini Man. Whatever else Will Smith blocked, Collateral Beauty, all those Will Smith movies in his later career that were like, uh, okay, this this is him coming back like, oh, you guys thought I thought I lost it, yeah, okay, oh, you thought I, I couldn't act it. anymore? Oh, hold on, let hold my beer, <laughs> right? Hold my hold my career, yeah, <laughs> that's what he said. Hold my career, yeah, man. This is a great movie, dude. Um, uh, it's 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 dramatic, it's powerful. I love the message in it. Uh, I gave it a five out of five. I I really found no frills with this. Yeah, I gotta agree. This one's a five out of five. Uh, this movie was absolutely fantastic in every way. Like, I'm not big on sports movies at all. Like, even sports biopics and everything like that, it doesn't really like capture do- me. I like sports documentaries. Even documentaries really don't do it for me. Like, I can see the appeal of them mm. and everything like that, but it, when it comes down to it, it's just not my kind of movie. Uh, this movie I loved through and through. There wasn't a dull moment with it. Uh, you go through the entire range of emotions of like happiness, anger, you know, you, you have the little tearjerker moments every once in a while. Uh, right. you have the moments where you just want to punch your screen because you're like, what are you doing? How dare you? You know, it, it, right. it pulls all of that just fantastically. Now, best picture. I feel it deserves to be in the running. Uh, I don't, I don't know if I see it winning. I'd be shocked if this wins. I, so yeah, I had to agree 100% there. Uh, I see why it's in best picture, everything like that. I don't see it winning though. I just don't see it pulling through. And in my personal spot, I think Coda is still, like I said prior of the movies that we've talked about so far, Coda is my pick for best picture still. Okay. Okay. Uh, all right. So for next one, we got uh, Nightmare Alley, Power of the Dog, West Side Story. And, you know, um, because we talked about this in other episodes, you know, we're going to mention Licorice Pizza. Do a little recap of what we feel about Licorice Pizza, Dune, and Don't Look Up. Yeah. And uh, Oh, I forgot I mean, Don't I- Look Up. You know, I got to replace that. Don't Look Up is definitely going to win Best Picture. Yeah. <laughs> Right, right. I hope that no, if that wins, that will crack me up, man. Dude, I'll I be, I wouldn't even be I'll pissed. Be I would just be <laughs> This would be I'll like be the greatest prank in history. Like how uh what is it? The Cinderella movie was winning for best uh fan pick for a while because everybody was like, Oh, if the Oscars are gonna just give us a a way to, you know, pick I the they best were doing movie. Shrek. I thought everybody was doing Shrek. No, it's uh the Cinder because it has to be a movie that came out in 2021. Oh, oh so everybody picked you. that Cinder the Amazon Cinderella movie, uh where oh crap I'm kind of can't remember his name but the one late night host played one of the rats. 
uh, James Corden? Yes. Yeah, that guy. I just assumed. I I, I thought, I, 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 how could it not be him? Right. He's the dude in every musical nowadays. Yeah, he, he's the terrible guy that you kind of keep wishing will step out of Hollywood. Right, right. Um. Yeah, man, I'm looking forward to this next episode, man. We got we got a lot to to get through because I feel like this these are the more polarizing choices. Right. Not saying they don't be- not saying they don't belong, but they're more they're polarizing. Yeah. So next episode is going to be a fun one. I've I've kind of already started a little bit on it. So right. we'll we'll get to that. <laughs> yep, for sure. All right, y'all. Y'all have a great one. Uh, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Take care.